Have you ever thought about writing a children's book? And if not, after hearing Miriam's story, I bet you will. What I love about Miriam's story, beyond the fact that she won a Guinness Book of World Records, is that her true north has always been around prioritizing family first, then truly becoming that lifestyle entrepreneur that we all talk about that really does make family the priority first, while still setting the example for her children that mom can grow and run a seven-figure business and still show up for school activities, really giving that example of living all out, which is what this podcast is all about. I also just love how they set intention. I want you to hear about what happened in her family when the pandemic hit and how it spurred the growth of an incredible business for her and growth for her family and what they decided to do during that downtime. Also, you know, if you're listening to this and you're asking yourself, how can I surround myself with high energy entrepreneurs like Miriam? Here's the deal. She and I connected through a mastermind. She and I both invested and really in order to pull our chairs up to the table with other like-minded entrepreneurs, which is why I've been able to bring in so many incredible guests for you. Um, and so if you're asking yourself, you know, how can I get into a high impact coaching program with incredible other entrepreneurs to broaden my network with live experiential events to grow you personally and professionally, you need to check out my unique Burnout to All Out mastermind at burnouttoallout.co. Just go to the website, burnouttoallout.co and scroll down to the mastermind application at the bottom of the page. If you're looking to take our connection from your ear here on the podcast to an in-person year-long intensive with me, my master coaches in business and mindset and operations of an online business while also experiencing live events with your mastermind members and growing incredible networks while growing your business, head over to my website today and get yourself at the front of the wait list. Now, here's the deal. We only take 20 clients and we have a large number of recurring mastermind members that stay in the program. So get your name in the hat at the front of the wait list to see if you're a good match. Hey friend, Melissa Hinault here with the Burnout to All Out podcast. I'm a former multiple six-figure executive corporate burnout, feeling stuck in the life I built for myself. But using my corporate skills, I took to the internet and have built multiple six and seven figure businesses, showing others how they can build a life they love. Now on this podcast, I share stories of being an entrepreneur, a mom to my three amazing kids, and wife to my wonderful and supportive husband who supports all my wild and crazy dreams. My journey is taking grit and persistence and belief. And believe me, I'm still a work in progress that you may witness in real time, whether it's in our free burnout to all out Facebook community or inside my mastermind or even in my coaching programs, or maybe just right here on the podcast. I'm laughing and I'm crying with you. I've become a serial entrepreneur with a passion to inspire more burnouts, to take the leap of faith and go all out and live out their dreams. Consider me your mentor in your head and on the go. So let's get started. We are live with Miss Miriam today with the Burnout to All Out podcast. 
Miriam, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here, Melissa. Oh my gosh, me too. And I'm excited for my audience to get to know you and your journey. So first and foremost, for everybody who's listening, Miriam and I are in the same mastermind. We both invested in ourselves earlier this year as entrepreneurs to really pull a seat up at the table with other incredible entrepreneurs to network and grow. And I've had the opportunity of of hearing your story and massive growth. And I'm so excited and inspired. I'm inspired by you. And I'm excited to bring you to my audience to hear more about your story and journey in entrepreneurship, winning that Guinness Book of World Records and really getting into your zone of genius and and sharing with our audience a little bit from a value add as far as their businesses go. But before we dive in, let me tell you guys a little bit about Miriam. Miriam is the founder of ML Publishing, the author of five best-selling and award-winning children's books, a Guinness world record holder. Can't wait to unpack that. She's a dedicated businesswoman, a caring mother, and a passionate supporter of those chasing their dreams. It is Miriam's mission to give authors the knowledge and confidence they need to publish their children's book and make a positive impact on the younger generation. Authors who partner with Miriam gain more than their first best-selling publication. They also gain lasting friendships, a strong community, and their courage to chase their dreams. So excited to have you here, Miriam. I'd love for us to start with the backstory, the story of before you were a bestseller, creating bestsellers, a Guinness world record holder, back to life before entrepreneurship, maybe. And take us on that journey of where it kind of started. Mm-hmm. I think I've always thought about a business. I, I have to start with that. Like I, I remember being in my teens and always just watching how businesses were run and always wishing I had my own business. Then into college, I started investing in real estate young. I met my husband in college. So we started investing in real estate. But if I think back to a pivotal moment or that needle moving moment after college, I started working in finance at a bank and my husband and I, we got married very young we always planned, we always dreamed. So we'd go on dates and we would pretend we were 10 years into the future, you know, and we talk about, oh, what our lives are like and what our children are like and what kind of a life. The most important thing was we would talk about what kind of a life did we want with children? And it was important for us, for me, especially to be home with my kids, to be able to go to their schools if they had an event or to help them with their sports you know, all of that was very important. So we planned that. And we always said, okay, by the time we have a second child, I won't go back to work. I want to share that when the time came and the second child came, I was on mat leave from the bank. And I remember telling my husband, okay, I'm not going back to work. And he, you know, yeah, he didn't take that well. He's like, what? (laughs) We're not ready. We're not ready. We still need the two incomes, all of this. And it was probably the first time that I had to... (sighs) I was a people pleaser up until that point, I'll say. And and at that point, I didn't care anymore. Like when I told the bank that I wasn't going back, they gave me a promotion, management promotion. They wanted me to go back. So it was a pivotal time. It was the hardest decision that I've ever had to make, I would say for myself, to say Mm -hmm. no to my job and then also to say no to my husband. Mm -hmm. So I didn't go back to work. And probably a year into it, I wanted my child, my second child to be going to a private school and just two hours a day. And it was just going to cost us an extra $400. Well, I remember this because I went to my husband. I said, okay, I want her to go here. 
$400. And he said, well, we, we can't afford that. You're not working. You're not bringing in any money. It's not right now. And I thought, what? I have to figure out how to do this. Like $400 is not going to stop stop my daughter from having the best. Right. Right. So that's the moment I thought, okay, no, I'm just going to start a business. And that was my first real business that went on to like make multiple six figures and it lasted eight years. And that's, that was really my start into entrepreneurship. It's making those Mm -hmm. tough decisions. I'll start with that. It takes, it takes courage (laughs) Because nobody knows your dream like you know it. So you have to really, really believe in yourself, find the courage. And sometimes when we have that extra why, like my children more my why, that helped me get over that being uncomfortable and feeling like I'm letting people down, that sort of thing. So good. Okay. This is such a good story. So I'm curious, like what was this first business? Yeah. So I met at the time, I was always taking courses. I met at the time, somebody that was a photographer that was taking photos of things that looked like letters of the alphabet, and Mm -hmm. we would put them together and make words. So this is a long time ago. It was brand new. It is all over where we live now because we really worked it. And I think every household (laughs) owns an alphabet photography piece now. And I asked this girl, I said, "Uh, I want to be your partner. I can take this everywhere. And so I would go to craft shows all over Canada selling these pieces, these art pieces. And yeah, it was fun. It was fun and incredible. And you got the $400 a month. (laughs) That was easy. And it also allowed me to be home for my kids. So that, that was the main thing. That was the main thing. Okay. Awesome. Okay. So that was like your step into entrepreneurship beyond the, the investments that you had done earlier in real estate. Mm -hmm. Um, so how did we segue from that to children's books and a Guinness Book of World Records? Yeah, yeah. So I would say my second pivotal moment was when I gave birth to my son, who's now 10. And the following day, we had a tragedy in the family. We lost mm-hmm. our niece to suicide. And it was just a, a horrible time. I was full of emotions, baby blues, grieving, and I wasn't doing well. So my husband noticed and he suggested I attend a self-esteem building seminar taught by Jack Canfield. He's the chicken soup for the soul author and had this book called The Success Principles. Mm-hmm. So I went to it and and that changed everything for me because that mm-hmm. week I was in a room full of positive people all working on themselves, all, you know, learning about goals, positivity, all these amazing things. You know, I kept thinking back to my niece and to my children and how I wanted things different for them. So I thought, well, these great principles really need to be taught to children when they're young. Like, Mm -hmm. why are we waiting till we're at this age working on ourselves? We really need to bring this to kids. So it was on the flight home that I thought, okay, I'm going to teach my kids one thing, but I can't just come home and dump the information on them. I decided to write a story, my first manuscript, and then I buried that message into the story. So that was how I started writing 10 years ago and just love it now. How incredible and so true. You know, I think about myself and the inner work and the personal development that I've experienced just in the past two or three years and how to your point, gosh, what a different human I would even be. And where would I be in life? Had I worked on this stuff years ago? Mm -hmm. Um, and how can it be more mainstream and start early? So I love that. That's, that's what you're doing. I love that. That's what you did. So where did it go from there? 
Yes. So, and and let me just, because you just said that, I want to point out, I I remember hearing a statistic that by the age of nine, by the time we're nine, we have already made up a lot of decisions for ourselves. A child who's nine has made up their mind about whether they're smart or not, whether they're sporty or not, you know, whether they're good looking or not. So they've made up their mind by the time they're nine. That's why writing children's picture books is really important to me. Let's get to them when they're younger and let's teach them those amazing principles or what is the one thing that that would have helped you or that has helped you. So that's why I like to write for that age group. So from there, I went back to another seminar the following year taught by Jack again, and he had us write our big, hairy, audacious goal. And I was so in the middle of, you know, I wanted to make a difference. I wanted to impact children. I didn't want another family to go through what we went through Mm. losing my, my niece. So I remember I wrote down, I was going to empower a hundred thousand children to believe in themselves. My book had just come out and it was a huge goal. It was so scary, but it forced me to one, get out of my comfort zone, get out of my own way, and then to start thinking bigger. And Mm. I just, I, you know, I, I kept thinking, how am I going to reach a hundred thousand children? First of all, why did I even put out that number? It's so huge, but it forced me. So Somehow the idea of going for a Guinness World Record came to me. I needed to organize a huge event where a lot of children were participate. So I went for a Guinness World Record. It took a lot of planning, but I got it. May of 2014, I have a Guinness World Record for the largest online book discussion in a 24-hour period. So we had in... Yeah, we had in the end 103,000 people participate in 29 different countries. So they had to go read I Can Believe in Myself, my first book. And then children would go online and tell us, what is your new I can? What are you going to go for now? So it was, I mean, it was just so great to read so many comments. I'm going to ride my bike without training wheels. I'm going to, even adults got in there. I'm going to start my business. I'm going to, I mean, all kinds of things. It was just it was a lot of work, but it was amazing. How incredible. Okay. So what made you even think to go for the world record? It didn't come to me probably until a month after I set this goal, I started doing calculations. And at the time I had just started going into schools that was going to take years of me reaching a hundred thousand children. And I just kept asking myself, how can I get to a hundred thousand? How can I, how can I, I don't know where it came from. I must've heard of somebody. I Now that I think about it, I think, well, Jack Canfield has a Guinness world record for something completely different, but it just got me to, to research. And that's how, I don't know, it came to me. (laughs) And like the power of the internet was able to manifest that, huh? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Okay. So you go from being at home to, you know, this art business to then writing your first children's book that ends up being a Guinness book of world records. And tell us about the journey from you publishing, you writing children's books to inspiring and coaching and leading a business, teaching other people how to do the same. Yes. So I was writing for for years and I would go into schools and speak and a lot of other type of speaking also, but people through the years have always asked, can I sit down and have a coffee with you? Can I pick your brain? Can you tell me what my next step is? And I would always meet with them. I would always get 
it wasn't so much online back then, but I would always get it even on a phone call and answer their questions. I loved helping. And my husband said to me, start writing down how many times you get on the phone or go for coffee with people and are just giving free information. It never bothered me. But he said to me, you know, that's a business, right? And I thought, okay. And right before COVID hit, I decided I was going to help a small group of people, six people publish their books. And then COVID hit. And that was probably my third pivotal moment. Mm. All my school visits were canceled and I was doing a lot of school visits. I was all of a sudden at home, just like the rest of the world. And one of the biggest things for me is that uh, right before COVID hit, having four children, I was out every single night driving one or another to a sport Mm -hmm. activity. And I was always strapped for time. So when COVID hit, we had to stay home. And I remember Jack Canfield teaching, it's not what happens to us, it's how we react to what happens to us. So all of a sudden, I had an abundance of time. I had an abundance of time. And I remember sitting down with my kids and, you know, and having the conversation, we don't know how long this is going to last. But we can watch TV all day, or we can all set some goals right now. What are we going to do? And they all wrote their goals. My teenagers was more about fitness. I probably should should have written something about fitness. But for me, it was, okay, I'm really going to dive in and 100% work on a publishing company. So I opened my publishing company in the middle of the pandemic, May 2020. And I decided I was just going to go full out and help aspiring children's book authors fulfill their own dreams and write their books and publish them. So that's how I went into that. I'm happy to say at the end of this year, we will have published 50 brand new children's books. So far, every one of our books has become an Amazon bestseller. And the main thing is that, you know, I started wanting to empower children, but now I feel like that's turned into empowering adults. A lot of people have thought about writing a book. It's a bucket list wish Some people that come to me have, you know, had a dream of writing a book for 20 years, 30 years. I've had somebody 50 years. So it's very rewarding for me because, you know, I started wanting to empower children, but now by empowering these adults to write their own books, we're reaching even more children, which is so exciting. Yes. So good. And I, it's so incredible. And I know we're going to unpack in a couple minutes, some details around uh, those of you business owners who are watching this live and listening to the podcast, how a children's book can open up opportunities for you. But before we get there, I know you've had just massive growth in starting your agency uh, over the pandemic. And I love See, this is the thing the never let a good disaster go to waste, right? Like my uncle has said that for years and it's so true. You always, you have a choice when the cheese gets moved, like how you react. Right. And I love that your whole family came up with plans. I hope that for a day or two, you just sat around and had ice cream and watched Netflix, but I love that, (laughs) but I love that you executed on like, how can we make lemonade out of lemons? And then you did like you ran with it and built an incredibly successful business. Before we get into a little bit more around how to leverage writing a children's book or what that can do for you, can you talk to us a little bit about just the journey of scaling a business so quickly in the middle of COVID? What worked well for you? And maybe what in retrospect would you have done differently if you had the time to go back and hit rewind? Hmm. That's a really good question. Okay. Well, the first thing that I did is I 
got in the virtual room with mm-hmm. other entrepreneurs. So I joined prior to this mastermind that we're in, Chris Harder had another mastermind called Fast Foundation. So I mm-hmm. I enrolled in that. I wanted to be around people who were working on their goals, who were working on their business. That is the number one thing for me. It's always put yourself in the room with those people because mm-hmm. people will inspire you. People will help you grow. So that was the first thing that, that I did. And, th- and that really, really helped me. The other thing that I did, of course, I've always loved setting goals and knowing where I want to go. I remember Chris Harder saying, hire to the scale that you want to grow. So hire for the future business that you want. So that's what I did last year, even though it was a very scary thing. So I had a couple of people working for me when I started. And then uh, at the end of last year, I hired two more people because I really wanted to grow the company. So we're now a staff of six full-time people. And, you know, at times that's scary because it is a lot of responsibility. Yes, I can keep you up at night. I'm there. <laughs> yes, yes. But it's also what allows me to grow. It's also <sighs> having other people work on the business, their ideas, their expertise, and we're growing together. So it is one of the the best things that I did, but it's a scary thing. And think about the ripple effect of what you and myself and all these other entrepreneurs who really grabbed the bull by the horns during the pandemic, and you created, you boosted the economy, you created jobs for people, right? And you, then you served other people who are able to publish something. So it's like this ripple effect in expanding your business to impact in so many different ways while you were scaling, right? Mm-hmm. It's scary, but it's fun. Um, yeah. And even though we work virtually, because we all work virtually, we still do. We're mm-hmm. all in this area. On Monday, we I try and do something every quarter for us to meet and have like a, just a fun social. We went for high tea on Monday, my staff and yeah. I, because we don't get to see each so other. So they're all in Canada, like within driving distance? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah that's that fine. worked that worked out. It doesn't always happen like that, but you can also do something virtual, a social virtual something, Mm -hmm. a game, a getting to know each other, you know, anything like that. It's really important for me that we all work in a fun environment, that we're all, that we all know each other because we're family. Like we spend so much of our day together, yeah, all working towards the same goal. Right. So, well, and can you speak to, cause you said this in another group and I loved it you know, things that you're doing, I know that you do like the quarterly meetings, but anything else you're doing to create kind of culture, community connectedness with your team? Like the one thing that sticks out to me is like what you've done with your Slack channel. Can you talk about the water cooler in the Slack channel? Oh, sure. Sure. I know I sound Uh, silly, but I thought it was awesome. No. And this came out, this came from one of my staff members. So she's extremely organized. I'm not the most organized person. I have a lot of ideas. So find the people that have the strengths that you do not have is the first thing. And she organized us on Slack. She's the one that added the water cooler. So anything fun that happens on the weekend or during the week, that's where we go when share our family photos, our kids, Mm -hmm. our pets, Mm -hmm. because if we were really in an office environment, that's where everybody gravitates right to the water cooler. And it's the small talk that keeps the friendships going and that makes work enjoyable. So, so yeah, that, that really helps. I also do, as I'm sure most people do, you know, you're 
weekly meetings, our Monday meetings in the morning. We always start out before we even get to what we have happening that week. We start with what's new and good. And everybody has time to share just what happened this weekend. Where'd you go? What did you do? We all, I mean, it's nice to know what other people's lives are like, right? 100%. It makes it just more human, right? It makes me think back to the interview with Shane yesterday around the emotion of leadership, right? And really tying into and tethering into the emotion of your team and really cultivating that. So it sounds like you're doing a phenomenal job there. So with the expansion of your business, in retrospect, for all the newer entrepreneurs who are listening, who are still scaling to their first six, their first seven figures, if there's mm-hmm. anything that you could share with them to help them sidestep maybe something you would have done differently, mm-hmm. is there anything that you would, in retrospect, if you could hit the rewind button that you would do differently? That I would do differently. I would have started this a lot sooner. So yeah. I would have worked and I have been working on this, but even work more on believing in myself, mm. you know, cause it was an idea for a while, right? It, sometimes it takes us a long time to take action. Mm. I feel like we know, we intuitively know what we're supposed to be doing and what's going to work, but sometimes it's our own minds. It's our, it's our bully in our minds. I have a book I wrote about that. It's our own big, bad bully in our minds that stops us, that doubts what we're doing, that it's too scary. So we stop ourselves. So that's something that I would have done, probably immerse myself, you know, sooner with entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. getting in the rooms, getting to be with people like you, for example, that are helping entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. because we don't always have the answers, but we can find the people that have the answers, right? Gosh, we can get so good. inspired by other people. That's the main thing. I always think when I start seeing other entrepreneurs doing things, I feel like, okay, they're doing it. They're no different than me. I can do it. And if I don't know how to do it, I can figure out, I can go up to them and ask them, what did you do to get here? Where did you, you know, what course did you take? What book did you read? So I would do that a lot sooner. And that's the power of investing in communities and masterminds where you get to sit at the table and see those types of things. One of the things I've heard you say over and over again is this constant investment in yourself to going to these live events, joining these masterminds, getting the mentorship. So true. I mean, I think about, you know, Rebecca, I think about she and I were in our, my very first mastermind together with her and I'd gotten to know her and we have a lot in common. We actually have the same dress and (laughs) amongst a million other things. And I remember her launching our podcast. And prior to that, I'd always thought that was like a big, scary, audacious thing that was way too complicated for me to ever do. But having gotten to know her and built a really great friendship with her in the mastermind, and then watching her do it, I was like, well, shit, I can do that too. Right. I'm like, if Rebecca can do it, I can do it. And she was my biggest cheerleader through that process. And it wasn't nearly as complicated as I thought it was going to be. And in retrospect, I wish I had started way earlier, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, so you are inspiring me. (laughs) (laughs) You're next, right? Yes, I think so. But it's so true. It's so true. Yeah. You just build it and put it out there to the universe. Okay. So this has been really good. Thank you so much for sharing. Let's dive into your zone of genius, writing children's books. Why does writing a children's book open up opportunities for people? Yes. You know, it, it writing a children's book has opened up so many opportunities for me and for my authors, my clients. Mm-hmm. We don't think about all of the things that will happen. We cannot possibly plan all the things, but we know that a book, any book, 
So I'm talking about children's books as authority. So whatever it is that you do as an entrepreneur, a a book just adds authority. It kind of gives you this extra stamp. It adds credibility. And people really get inspired. I don't know if inspired is the right word by somebody that has written a book. So a children's book will also do that. For me, it opened up a lot of opportunities to speak. And I didn't, when I started writing, I didn't think I ever wanted to speak. I was, you know, I had the story in my head that I'm too shy. I'm too quiet. I, I don't even know what I would say, but it, you just work through it. I would, for years, I went into school speaking. Now that may not be the thing that people want to do because they have another business that they're running, but I was also speaking to parent groups, to writers groups. All of a sudden, one day I got an email and I was invited to do a TEDx talk. Like I didn't pursue that. It just came to me because I had this children's book. I was given an award when I received the Guinness World Record. At the same time, this organization sent me an email, the Winspiration Day, because I had empowered so many children. They were giving me an award. And that opened up a lot of opportunities. So I I just want to show you the ripple effect. So from that, I was given the award. I was given a cash prize that helped us get the Guinness adjudicator to come to our city. And then a couple of years later, they had an event in California and they invited their recipients for the last 10 years. And I got to be on stage and speak. And right before me, Bob Proctor spoke. He had received the award two years prior to that. So, I mean, it's just, you don't know what's going to happen, but that all came from writing a children's book. Like that all came from writing a children's book. So some of the other things Besides myself, one of my authors has now gone on to write, to ghostwrite seven books for a publishing company. And she just started, she just published her book last fall. So now she's on her seventh book that she's writing for somebody else. One of my other authors, Sheila Roccio, is a life coach. And she wanted to use the book to help her coach adults and children. Her book is about fear of the unknown. So she Mm -hmm. found a great way to add that into a children's story. And that book is, is helping her business. One of my other authors is currently working on a book about acupuncture with her adult daughter, because her daughter is an an acupuncturist. Mm -hmm. And they're going to use that book to bring in more business and to have as gifts for people that come. So even though you're, your entrepreneurs may be working with adults, they also have children. You know, a lot of a lot of the times that people come to me is, and they want to write a book because they want to leave a legacy because they want to share something that was important to them with the next generation or something that is currently important to them. So I just want to say, trust me, it opens up opportunities that you never even thought existed. So I don't want to name so many because I don't know what opportunities are going to come for for you or for the other authors or your other entrepreneurs. Yes, absolutely. It's so good. And I remember you and I having this conversation at our live event, the mastermind earlier this year, because what came to mind for me was Robin Arzon, who's the lead instructor at Peloton. Mm -hmm. Um, And she's has a huge following on Instagram and she, she published the book, strong mama. And it really was inspirational. So for all of you entrepreneurs, and even though she works for Peloton, she's very much an entrepreneur in her own right in a a lot of different ways, but she was able to get a message out 
as a new mom and this incredible kind of entrepreneur, like a message out to children that she was really passionate about as the woman she is, you know? And so I just see, especially female entrepreneurs that are really just breaking the mold in so many different ways and how their stories in a children's form could inspire a whole nother generation. You know, it just gives me goosebumps to even think about one day you and I are going to have to talk. I have to get my LinkedIn method book published and I have to get my group book published with Rebecca this year. Those are my two things this year, but I would love to circle back with you next year on a children's book myself. So good. Well, let's talk about just to shift gears a little bit. Final question is, you know, pivoting in your business in the midst of a pandemic. And I know we hit on this a little bit, but there are so many incredible stories of entrepreneurship really evolving in the midst of disaster, because we either can find new solutions or we can go, you know, crawl in a corner and, and disappear off the face of the universe, right? Any tips or tricks or advice that you can share about pivoting in the midst of the pandemic? I'll go back to putting yourself in that room with those people. You know, we, we've heard this since we were little, like you are the sum of the five people you hang out with. It's something I tell my kids, you know, be careful who you're hanging out with because you, you tend to attract that you become that. So finding those entrepreneurs that are going to support you and help you. That's, that's a big thing. I'll also share that the other thing that was important for me is to figure out why I wanted to do something, whether it was that first $400 that I wanted to send my daughter to that private school or uh, later because I wanted to empower children, figure out your why, or now empowering adults, figure out what is the driving force for you. What is it? Spend some time really reflecting on that and then write it out. Like I had it on a three by five card. I had it on my mirror where I get dressed, you know, get ready every morning. I had it on my computer. I had it everywhere to remind me. So if I use the example of I wanted to empower a hundred thousand children. So another family would not go through the loss that we went through. Having that reminder is what helped me get through those days where self-doubt kicked in, those days when I would have rather stayed in bed and not gotten up or, you know, on those days that I had to get on an interview or go speak at a school when I was really, really shy. So understanding our why, and, you know, we've heard this over and over again, but it's, I think it's a good reminder because that's really what helps us get to the finish line. So good. So true. So final question, and then actually two more questions, but they're simple questions. So the first one is Miriam, where can people find you and what do you have going on right now? If people want to maybe look into writing a a children's book with you? Yeah. Yeah. So my website is miriamlaundry.com. I think you're going to have the spelling of my name. Laundry is just like, it sounds clean laundry, not your dirty laundry. (laughs) And you know, I always have things happening. Uh, when you go to my website, anybody that has thought about writing a children's book, or has a dream of writing a book, I'd ask you to consider children's book. I think it's something that will help us inspire the next generation help with our children and the future. So working on that, you know, children's picture books are under a 1000 words, 600 to a 1000 words, it's not it doesn't feel like this overwhelming thing. But for people that may feel like, okay, I don't know what the next 
the first step is we have a blueprint that helps people get their ideas on paper. So a formula on how to write a children's book. You're welcome to go to my website to get that. Uh, MiriamLaundry.com forward slash blueprint. I think that's a great start. And I'll leave you with a story because I get asked this all the time. Can anybody really write a children's book? The short answer of that is yes, I believe that anybody can write a children's book. There are things you need to know that should go in a children's book and things that shouldn't go. And we don't know this unless somebody tells us that. So I'm always offering free trainings that teach you how to do that. But I can think back to Brian, who's one of my authors. Brian Williams is his name. He's a businessman. He's a businessman from Fresno, California. And when he came to me, he said, I want to write a book. He also loves to bake. And he was going into schools and teaching children how to bake and delivering a message of being able to do whatever they wanted to do in the world, be whoever you want to be. But he said to me, I really need a book to continue going into schools. And he said, can I just pay you to ghostwrite this book for me? I said, Brian, let, let me just teach you a couple of things because I know you can write this book. And he went on to write an amazing book called Batter Up Billy. It's won several awards. The guy that didn't think he could write is now an award-winning author. And it has allowed him to continue going into schools. He uses, he gives 100% of the proceeds to charities in his community. And, you know, it's, it's about leaving that legacy. It's about doing the things that are important to you. And so the the short answer of that is yes, anybody can write a children's book. There are just some things that you need to know. And I'm happy to to share that on my website. I always put things on Instagram also. You can absolutely write a children's book and make a difference. You guys heard it first. You heard it from Miriam. You can totally write the book. Just like you could totally launch a podcast, right? Yeah. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah. Okay. So my final question is, and you've kind of weaved this throughout, but as you know, I have my own very first doing things that are uncomfortable, making you grow. I have my very first live in-person, like large event in late September. And I've been asking all of our mastermind members as I bring them through the, the interview process and the podcast is why do you attend live events as an entrepreneur? And what is some of what are some of the major values you get to constantly reinvest in yourself and show up to these events, even if you're not the most social person? I heard you say a couple of times that you were kind of a shy person, right? So what motivates you to get to live events anyway? So for me, learning equals growth, right? Learning is growth and growth for me is happiness. So going to these events are going to help me learn, are going to help me grow, get out of my comfort zone, because it's never comfortable, at least for me to get in the room. It's become a lot easier. And, and like you said, I'm not the most outspoken person, but I'm, I'm taking things in. Like I'm just being inspired by all the people that are there. So mm-hmm. I want to go to learn and I want to go because of the networking. And it's not about what opportunities are going to be there for me. I never think like that, but I just think about the networking that inspires me to grow, to get bigger, to get to the next level, just like you and Rebecca doing the podcast. Yeah. I'm seriously thinking about it now, right? It's just the things that I hadn't thought about before. Mm -hmm. And I always think if they can do it, I can do it too. I can learn how to do it. I'm going to do it. That that's what my train of thought is. So get yourself out there, go to Melissa's events. It's like, they're just always amazing. 
Yes. Oh my gosh. So true. Well, thank you so much for coming in today. I'm sure you're going to get some inquiries from some folks who you've inspired to get started on their children's book, Miriam. So thank you so much for today. And I'll see you in Beverly Hills in a couple of months. Yeah, that should be fun. Sounds good. Thank you, Melissa. Thank you, everybody. Have a great day. Yes, you too. Thanks for listening to the Burnout to All Out podcast. For free resources, materials, or information on my coaching services, go ahead over to livethefreelife.co. That's livethefreelife.co. Or check out our Facebook community at Burnout to All Out. And make sure you follow Burnout to All Out on Spotify and subscribe to iTunes. And it would truly mean the world to me if you paused for just a second gave me that five-star review of the show and be sure to share this episode with any burnouts you think would be inspired to go all out after hearing this episode.